Hi everybody, this is Zora O'Neill from Cooking in Real Time, and this week has passed in a blur, as did the previous week, and so I'm a bit behind schedule, but I'm fine. Don't, I know people, if you drop out of contact these days, people start to worry about your health. I'm absolutely fine. And the reason I'm doing this little intro is just to say there's a point in the recording where I set the oven at 375, and afterward, when all was said and done, I realized there's a better way to do this because I'm lazy and I don't pre-bake my pie crust. It's better to bake at a very high heat just at the beginning and then turn it down and let the custard finish cooking through. And then high heat sort of gives you a little blast, gives a tiny bit of crispiness to the bottom crust, make sure, it's, make sure it gets cooked through. So you really wanna start the quiche in the oven at 450 and let it cook for 10 minutes, I'd say, and then turn it down to 375 and let it finish cooking. And the whole thing probably takes about 45 minutes. So that's my one thing to keep in mind. There are a couple other moments in there where I'm like, huh, I don't have these quite right ingredients. We'll try X and Y both times with the flour combination for the crust and the um, egg milk combination for the quiche both times turned out fine. So that's really all you need to know going forward. So uh, without further ado. Hello and welcome back to Cooking in Real Time. My name is Zora O'Neill and I'm going to do a kind of single topic episode this week. A while ago I said I would uh, make a quiche and really I think the important part of the quiche is the crust, the pie crust. And once you learn to make that pie crust, you can use it for pies as well as quiches. Uh, quiche is just something that's been on my mind because it's a good way to use up little scraps of things, little leftover things in your fridge. And so at the end I'll talk briefly about how to put that quiche together and I'll put a recipe for the actual quiche filling up on the website. But for this episode, I'm going to talk mostly about pie crust. And I mean, I'm sure in France for a quiche, there's a different, there's like a dedicated kind of crust for this, for a quiche distinct from other things. I don't even know, but in my world, in my American world, we have the same crust for pie and for quiche. And it's very simple, although of course, contents itself, the recipe itself and the proportions, is extremely simple, but of course a lot is in the technique. And I'll talk to you about the technique in some detail as I put it together. So to make a single crust, meaning like just to line the inside of a nine inch pie plate, you want one cup and a little bit more of flour, and you want one stick of butter and you want a quarter cup of ice water or about something like that. That's one cup, one stick, and a quarter. It's also, it's even easier and more proportional to remember if you think about it as one cup of flour, one half cup of butter, because that's what a stick is, and one quarter cup of ice water. So one cup, one half cup, one quarter cup, boom. 
Um, everybody says you should use unsalted butter. I never bother buying separate unsalted butter for baking. I always end up using salted butter. I think it's fine, I like salt. You may not, you may want unsalted butter. Ice water is ice water and you want the butter to be cold. So everything you read about pie crust is like incredibly obsessive about keeping the fat cold. And this is absolutely true. There are many tricks. You, there's like a hardcore thing that I used to do for a little while, which is keep your butter frozen and then grate it, which is really, really only something you wanna do if you happen to have a food processor, but then it just creates this huge mess. So I've just gone back to the basics. Um, unfortunately, the basics as we have them today in our kitchen are that I only have, we'll see how this crust turns out. Honestly, it might be a disaster. Typically, you just want to use standard all-purpose flour. You don't want to use high gluten flour because the whole point of a pie crust is that it be fairly tender and flaky and not have that like sturdy strength of that you get in bread. And that all comes from the gluten, so you don't want a high gluten flour, you just want a regular, a regular standard all-purpose flour. What I have is Italian OO flour that says all-purpose, but when you look at the protein content on the side, it's actually pretty high. It's like 13 grams of protein for per 100 grams of flour. Is that how the math works? I think that's it. Anyway, so it's a, it's on the high side, and I think normal all-purpose flour, I don't even have any in the house right now to check, but I think it's more like 10. But I do have some cake flour, which is much lower gluten content, and both of them are very finely milled, so I don't know what is going to come out of this, but we'll just, we'll just see. And um, this might be a case of do as I say and not as I do. Use all-purpose flour, but you know, it's all, all in the name of getting by with what we happen to have in the house at the time. Now, uh, normally when I'm baking, I weigh things, but since I grew up cooking or baking pie crusts without a scale, I just make them with what I've got with measuring cups. I mean, by now I should know how much half a cup of flour weighs and I could just do it that way, but I'm measuring this out in, um, measuring this out in uh, just a regular measuring cup. I'm doing half a cup of, whoops, the OO flour and half a cup of cake flour. Actually, ew, I'm a little scared. The cake, problem is if I use too much cake flour, it won't hold together at all. So maybe I'm gonna do more like two thirds and a third. Yeah, just sort of dumping this into the measuring cup, I realized how fine and dainty it is. And you don't wanna hear me cursing and crying about my pie crust not holding together. So I'm just adjusting a little bit. Okay. Now, like I said, it's a cup and some. It's more like a cup and a couple tablespoons. For now, just start with a cup, and then you'll have some leeway later when we check what the texture's like and if we wanna add more. 
So do that. The other thing I'm going to do, which I don't ordinarily do, normally I just use olive butter. There's a whole, you know, discourse on fats and things like that. So a lot of people grew up having Crisco pie crust. And Crisco, I've talked about before, is basically like a commercial imitation of leaf lard. It's vegetable. It's a vegetable oil that has been hydrogenated. Now somehow they make it without it having trans fats, which spooks me. Like it's probably just as bad for you in a new way we haven't discovered. So I don't use Crisco. It seems creepy, but I do use leaf lard because I have it. Uh, does it make a more wondrous pie crust? It can. I think it does make it turn out flakier. Like you get more, like fluffy layers, but it does not have the amazing, delicious flavor of butter. So I don't like using all leaf lard because that would be boring. I really, there's one consistent thing about me is I really like butter. Um, so I'm gonna do this half and half. I'm using the leaf lard because I have it. I have so much of it. So I'm gonna use a quarter cup of leaf lard and a quarter cup of butter, which means half a stick of butter and a quarter cup of leaf lard. Now, this is the fun part. This is actually what makes me enjoy using leaf lard, not for the results, but for the fun physics that I use to measure it, which is simple volume displacement. It's very cool. So I've just filled up a uh, measuring cup with a cup of cold water. It's a two cup measuring cup, and I've got it measured exactly in a cup of water. The problem is leaf lard, I just have it in a jar, and it's not in a stick where I can easily mark off exactly how much, how much to use. So yeah, how do you, how do you measure it? I put cold water in this measuring cup, and I'm just gonna put, put leaf lard in that cold water until it measures a cup and a quarter. And then I'm gonna pour off the water. So if you're thinking Eureka, you're totally, totally got it. Anyway, this is one of those fun applications of science to real life. There, 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 there. Well, do a little dab more. Oh, so cool, so cool. Uh, it's pretty sad, actually, how much satisfaction I get out of using like really basic science and math in my day-to-day -day world. Like, oh yeah, give me a, give me a little equation to balance. I'm all over it. Okay, we've got our lard measured, so I'm just now pouring off the water. And I'm going to stick that in the fridge just while I get myself organized. This is the other the other reason I'm not crazy about using lard is it softens up really quickly. Like I said, you want everything to be cold. And the reason you want everything to be cold is you don't want to, you don't want the fat to just melt and like go into the flour and sort of meld together. You want these things to be discrete entities throughout the entire process, which is a little weird because you're making the solid crust. 
So while the lard is re-chilling, I'm getting out everything I need to work on rolling out the crust. Um, can I get out a pie plate? That'll help. Like I said, a nine inch is standard. discoveries when I was visiting my cool Australian backpacker friend's house in Amsterdam just after I graduated from college and she was like chatting and casually like rolled out a tortilla for me. It was awesome. Let's see. What else am I looking for here? Our bench scraper would be nice. I don't yet need it at this stage. Yeah, I looked in there. My producer is tiptoeing around the kitchen. Anyway, it'll turn up. I don't yet need it at this stage. But at this point, I know. At this point, oh, the other thing I want to get together is my ice water. What did I just do with my measuring cup? Oh, it's in the fridge with the lard. Huh, brilliant, brilliant. So I need a different one. my little half cup that I have for the flour. So I just, I'm gonna put an ice cube in there and fizzle some water in there and I can just chill, 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 chill. It is again, approximately a quarter cup. So while it's nice to have things measured out, this is more of an eyeball it situation. We won't necessarily use all the water and we might need more. So, we've got that. All right, now we're going ahead with the butter. Oh, look at that. Do we have a one, two, three? No, that's a little short. I was gonna say, oh, maybe we have exactly a half stick in there, but no. All right. Yeah, after that whole large business, you really appreciate the handy packaging of your standard stick of butter. Just cut that right in half. And then, so I've cut my butter in half, stick in half, and then I'm going to take the knife and I'm just going to cut it into little cubes. So, slice down, turn it, turn it over, slice down again and then slice crossways. And these don't have to be super small or super regular. I cut them in two, three, four, five, six. I cut it into 24 little cubes. And these I'm just gonna drop into the flour, kind of break them up they're not sticking together. Now, if you're using unsalted butter, you also want to toss a little bit of salt in here, like a generous pinch. But since I'm using salted butter, we don't need that. Right. 
trying to think from back in the day when I was learning to make pie crust. All our experiments at home seem to show that adding salt made things tougher. I have no idea if that is really true or based in science. And this was also at high elevation in New Mexico. So who knows what really stands. So I am, I've tossed all these little nubbins of butter in there. And I sort of tossed them around so they're all coated with flour. I'm gonna grab that lard out. Bridge. I'm gonna do the same thing. It's in sort of weird pieces. I don't I want it to be in kind of smaller bits. Yeah, it's easier if this is your first time, unless you just happen to have leaf lard sitting around the house. If you're just getting acquainted, just getting acquainted with the process of making pie crust, stick with all butter and you'll be fine much easier to work with. It stays more solid longer. So I put all the little uh, bits of lard in there and I'm just, with my fingertips, I'm just sort of flopping everything, picking up all these little nubbins of butter and lard and making sure they're coated with flour. Now I'm going to start taking these little bits of fat and just Pressing each one, I've got both my hands in the bowl with the flour, pressing each little nubbin of fat flat and just tossing it back. Um, again, it doesn't have to be completely consistent. You're just giving each one a little squish. Kind of slide your thumb against your index finger. And the reason you're doing this, this sort of flattening, part of something I realized kind of late in life in the process of making pie crust. Most often what you will read in recipes is to work the butter until you have like small pea-sized crumbs and there are pastry cutters and things like this that you're told to use. But a while ago, many years ago, not many, maybe six years ago, I finally got around to making croissants, which involves sort of smooshing a layer of butter in between layers of dough. And the goal is, it's called laminating. And you're sort of smooshing, keeping that butter layer intact and rolling it out and folding it and rolling it out again. So you're making layers and layers of minuscule, minuscule solid layers of butter. And that's what gives croissants their super flakiness. And I realized like, oh, that is what you want in your pie crust, but you don't want to go to all that trouble. You don't want a million super fine, intact, flaky layers. You just want a little bit of flake. And so that's, that to me sent me back to the drawing board of like making all these little fat pieces a little bit flat. So I'm just going through and making sure I got made some contact with all of them. They're all getting a little soft already. Like I said, you don't want your natural body heat to be warming these things up. 
You don't want the fat to be melting into the flour. And if you sense that's feeling that's happening, if you get the feeling that's happening, just stop right there and put the whole bowl in the fridge and like go look at Twitter for 10 minutes and come back and start again. Um, for example, because if it gets too warm and too goopy, there's no fixing it and then you'll be filled with regret. You use that nice butter to no good end. So, I'm gonna wash my hands because the touching part is done for now. The next bit I'm just gonna do with a fork. I mean, our hands will get dirty again, but you want some better control of your fork right now. All right, got a fork. I'm just poking things a little bit with my fork and now I'm going to take that ice water and I'm just going to drizzle that in kind of around, not all in one spot. The goal here is we have all the flour kind of, kind of moist, damp. Sorry for using that word that triggers people. You're just dampening your flour. And at this point, yeah, you don't want to touch it anymore because the butter is on the brink of getting too soft. You just want to add tiny little bits of water at a time. Because again, if you go too far, it's really hard to undo it because then you can't have just more flour. I'm going to get down there and make sure like even the little there's going to be sort of drier pieces of patches of flour down at the bottom bowl. Make sure you're getting all those. And then slowly starting to form more cohesive pieces, like bigger, bigger pieces. And I think, and so there's a big bit gobbing up kind of forming on my fork. That's good because I'm actually kind of using that to grab onto all the stray bits of flour to make sure they're going to be moist and incorporated. Okay, this is looking pretty good. So I'm going to do a very quick test here. I'm just going to see whether this will hold together. And very gently, without using too much force and too much contact with my whole hand because that adds too much warmth. I'm just using my fingertips as much as possible. I'm seeing if this will stick together in a ball and it definitely will. In fact, it might be a tiny bit too wet, but I think it'll be fine. I think it'll be salvageable. Uh, what I'm doing here is just sort of molding this into, it doesn't even have to be a proper ball because eventually you're gonna want to make it flat again. So it doesn't have to be round. It just has to have all the all the little scraps incorporated. And you can kind of do that just with your fingertips. Try not to pick the whole thing up and pack it like you would a snowball because that is giving way too much hand contact. 
and way too much warming up. So yeah, no snowball tactics. Because I'm washing my hands again. They've gotten very fatty. Now, now that I turned off the noise, we're just gonna stick that ball of dough in the fridge. We don't want to let it dry out while it's in the refrigerator, so I have it in sort of a medium-sized stainless steel bowl, and I'm just putting a smaller bowl over the top of it. You will read recipes that say to wrap it in plastic wrap. I kind of hate plastic wrap, so I just do the bowl. It's fine. Plastic wrap, I suppose, like tr really traps the moisture in there, and I did used to find it very helpful when we were baking at high altitude in New Mexico, which is also super dry, where you didn't want any of that moisture escaping from the pie crust. And then it was very helpful to wrap it tight in plastic wrap. So there are scenarios in which plastic wrapping can help you. I just avoid them now as much as possible, but it's easy for me since I'm at like seven feet elevation. So I put all that in the fridge and now I'm just kind of tidying up. I have some extra, I have a tiny bit of extra flour set aside here to use on the surface where I'm going to be rolling stuff out just to keep that well floured. And I'm just cleaning that surface and I'm finding like a little nubbin of lard that didn't make it in. That's okay. No shortage. Putting away my other half butter stick. As usual, just kind of cleaning the decks. That's it for now. I'm going to pause and let that dough sit in the fridge for about half an hour, 45 minutes, and then I'll come back and talk you through rolling it. Hey, so, change of plans, mildly. I realized what I was doing in the 30 minutes or so while I waited for that pie crust chill was I was assembling my quiche filling. So I thought I would just jump in here and tell you what I'm doing. Quiche is eggs and milk. It's basically like a savory custard. So eggs and milk, if you have to, much richer and yummier if you can make any portion of that milk cream. So eggs at half and half are better. Uh, it's usually two, it's usually a one to two ratio. So like two eggs to one cup of liquid or three eggs to one and a half cups liquid. I'm doing three eggs to one and a half cups liquid for a nine inch pie crust. I think that'll be right. It's been a little while since I've made this, so we'll just see. But that seems to be I've looked at a couple, double-checked a couple recipes, and that seems to be pretty normal. Um, as I did with the flour for my pie crust, I'm kind of doing a mongrel bit of dairy products here. I've got some sour cream, and I've got some half and half, and I've got some milk, and so I just kind of used all those little bits up until I got a cup and a half of this stuff, and now I'm just sort of 
sloshing around and making sure that sour cream is blended up nicely in the in the milk in half and half and there aren't big lumps. Um, creme fraiche, if you have it, I think is a pretty standard thing to do. Straight cream is good. Uh, I, I wouldn't use straight cream. It would be so rich and so heavy. Like, I wouldn't say three cups, three eggs and a cup and a half of cream because that would just be killer. I mean, maybe it would be delicious. What am I saying? Maybe that's what they do in France. But to me, that seems, just thinking about that makes me be like, ooh, I feel a little weak. But then again, occasionally I buy a slice of quiche from from a French bakery near me, and it's so much more delicious than anything I make, and maybe that's why. Who can say? Who can say? So I've just got that, uh, I just put the, put the dairy in a two-cup measuring cup, so then there's room in there for me to put, crack the eggs in directly. And so I'll whisk that up together. And then for fillings, really, like I said, the reason I think of quiche, basically, is because it's a good way to use small amounts of leftover stuff. So right now, you know, you could use like a little handful of asparagus. Or one nice thing to do is you can, you can use like the top, top half of asparagus to eat straight as asparagus spears and then use the bottom ends of the, save the bottom ends for the, not the really woody, hard to eat parts, but um, the bottom ends you can put in a quiche if you want to break up your asparagus experience like that. That's a possible thing to do. Um, I am using some mushrooms that I cooked up yesterday. They were I bought them in a fit of enthusiasm like a week ago and then hadn't eaten them all week. So I just cooked them up, like simmered them in butter, and I'm just going to chop them up so they're more bite-size friendly. And we've got scallions growing on the roof, not scallions, chives growing on the roof in ridiculous numbers, so I'm going to use that for some greenery. I'm just whisking the egg and the and the milk or cream, that's what you hear. Which, why am I doing this with the wrong tool? I'm using a spoon when I should be using a fork. Alright, that's better. It's more like it. So, for fillings, um, really, you know, classic is quiche with bacon and onions. That's very delicious. Uh, you surprising how little filling you need really to make a quiche quite good so I'm really serious about just using the tiniest little scraps you happen to have um, just like any kind of greens greens are good if you use cooked greens you want to make sure all the liquid is really squeezed out of them you don't want to use raw greens because of that they'll give off a lot of liquid and they'll screw up your custard um, so everything going into the filling should be cooked. You don't want to start, I mean, except for things like herbs are okay. But if you're, but again, you don't want to use a huge amount of herbs because they would give off a lot of liquid and again, kind of mess things up. 
And then you usually want some cheese, or I want some cheese. In France, maybe they don't use cheese, but I have some weird um, cheese scraps, so I'm gonna go ahead and grate some of those, just so moving them through the system here in the kitchen. I have some a little bit of manchego and a little bit of a soft Syrian mozzarella, the thing I used in the in the beet salad a little while ago, so I'm gonna use some of that. But certainly you can do it without cheese at all. I've got like the quiche Lorraine recipe does not involve does not involve cheese. But then of course a ham and cheese quiche is very standard. You want the cheese. It usually has some kind of Swissy cheese with the ham. Anyway, that is my basic thinking about fillings. It's very vague. Think about what tastes good on its own. What tastes especially good with like creamy ingredients. That's why I'm sort of hankering for uh, mushrooms right now. And any minute now, I didn't look at the clock before, but any minute now we will get back to the pie crust, so hang tight. Okay, we're back, we're back. A couple more things to add quickly about quiche fillings, which I was doing while I was waiting for the pastry to chill. Uh, you don't want a lot of cheese. This is not like a cheese experience. It's only in there, in my mind, to add like every so often in a bite you get like, oh, a little melty bit, or you get a little savory hit. So it's not a cheese bonanza. Like for this, I just used like an ounce and a half of manchego. Not even, I thought, I got out all these little cheese ends and I thought I was gonna use them all up. But in the end, once I grated just a little bit of manchego, I was like, you know, that's fine. It's kind of like when you're making burritos and it turns out a lot less filling goes in than you think. But I didn't end up using that mozzarella-y white Syrian fresh cheese either because um, it just seemed too much like the cream and milk filling I was already using. So I'm putting all those cheese scraps back in the fridge. Everything else is set and ready to go. I also chopped up some chives, small handful of chives, and I would say I have about three quarters of a cup of chopped mushrooms that have, like I said, already been cooked. I fried them last night in a little butter with a little, um, oh, what was it, Madeira maybe? Some little kind of cooking wine so they have a nice, nice little flavor. Anyway, so it's back to the uh, pie crust, however, is the main event. And I got out everything I need on my workspace. Oh, and let me also mention the other thing I had out is I'm going to post some photos on cooking in real time, but it is not enough. Like, this really is something that if I weren't so lazy, I would make a video. But the idea of being on video right now in the middle of this whole thing is kind of ridiculous. I, I cannot get dressed, so I cannot be on a video. But there is a great book if you really want even better guidance than I am giving you now. I really recommend a book called How to Build a Better Pie by Millicent Souris, S-O-U-R-I-S. And she is the only person whose pies in like a commercial restaurant setting actually taste like homemade pies. 
she is fantastic and she has like the magic hands I don't know what it is um, and she's the one who kind of confirmed my idea that you can work the crust a little bit more than I had been used to doing when I was growing up um, and to segue into that and talk about what I mean by that so let me get out the crust that's been in the fridge for about half an hour I have a I have a like marble slab on our very makeshift island in our kitchen, which sounds very fancy. It's just a, a metal shelf with this random piece of marble that we got at the thrift store on top. So I have that and I have a very thin layer of flour on there and I'm just gonna put the put the crust in the middle there and I'm Whereas mine had a rolling pin, here's my rolling pin. And I am also gonna spread some flour all over my rolling pin. Just sort of put some flour in the palm of your hand and, and wipe that around your rolling pin. And now I'm gonna give, just hit the dough a bit to flatten it out with your rolling pin. And I'm kinda tapping around the edges very lightly with my fingers to put the cracks, kind of squish the cracks back, make them stick together a little bit, because as soon as you start hitting the dough, it starts to crack around the edges. You don't, you don't want those cracks. So the whole goal, of course, is to roll out something that's round, and it's a little, um, it's a little tricky because, you know, we're not super consistent as humans necessarily. I have a bench scraper. I can't tell you what I used to use before I had a bench scraper. I guess I just used my fingers. A bench scraper is just a big sheet of thin metal. It's got a blade along the end. I know because I've cut myself. It doesn't seem like it's that sharp, but in fact it is. And it's, it's basically just a flat thing with a sharp edge that you can use to scoop under scoop things off a flat surface. Bakers call their workspace a bench. That's why it's called a bench scraper. Took me a while to learn that, and now you know too. So I bash my dough a little bit, and I'm putting, sprinkling another little bit of flour on the top of it, because I definitely don't want my rolling pin to stick. And in the squashing, when I bashed it with my rolling pin, it went not perfectly around, a little oblong, so I just rotated it 90 degrees because I'm going to be rolling up each time. So I rotated it so the it's oriented a little bit long ways. And so when I roll up, that's kind of correcting that. All right. And really, you just want to roll once up and back and rotate a little bit once up and back and rotate once up and back and rotate so the rotating is not only helping to keep it even rolling out but it's also you're checking each time to make sure that your thing is not getting stuck to your surface because um, that would cause all kinds of annoyance even though you have a bench scraper, it's kind of hard to reach under there. Now, the last time I picked mine up, it got felt a tiny bit sticky, so I'm putting a little bit more flour in there. 
under, I just lifted it up and slid a little more flour underneath. Also, I'm occasionally stopping to squish the edges where they're starting to crack. But overall, you don't want to be touching this much. You don't want to be warming it up with your hands. And you don't want to get ahead of the game and have preheated your oven. Like ordinarily, if you're baking at this point, you would be preheating your oven. I'm just rolling up and back and rotating. But you don't want to do that because preheating your oven will warm up the kitchen and then cause your butter to melt and this won't be very good. If you have melted butter, you just end up with this kind of hard, tough crust and whatever, it still has butter in it. It'll taste fine, but it won't be that like, mm. you don't get the little bits of butter kind of melting on your tongue as you, as you eat. So, still rolling. And you'll see little stripes of butter almost in the crust. Those are those kind of flat pieces you have made before. And they're just in there, getting smeared out flatter and flatter. Putting a little more flour on, on my bench. I'm putting some more on my rolling pin. Now, back in the day, when I was in high school and I made a lot of pies, in New Mexico, when we lived in fear of things drying out, and we also lived in fear of overworking our dough, these were reasonable fears, but what we would do is I would roll this crust between two of those bags you get produce in, like regular regular shop, you know, grocery bags, which they don't even give you anymore. So good riddance. Um, those don't work. You want the, the kind of thin crinkly bags that you would get lettuce, you know, you would pull off the roll at the grocery store and put your produce in. And if you slice those up, so two of them, one for the top and one for the bottom, you can roll out your dough between them. This is helpful if you don't have a really good surface for rolling, like if you have you know, if your only surface in your kitchen is like tile with grout in between or something, that's still gonna, we're still gonna have some level issues. But, or if you have only like a wooden board that is, you know, no, if you wanna roll food into it, for example, you can use two of these produce bags. And then that also helps you like move the dough and stuff. So back in the day, we would I would not even be touching the dough this much. It would be in between the plastic bags. Um, pulling, I think I rolled it down enough. And just to check, I'm bringing my pie plate over and seeing if I have enough leeway. You don't want the pie crust too thin. It's not going to be great. You want like a couple inches all around from the bottom of the pie plate out. You want kind of a couple inches all around and a little bit more if you're going to do a deep dish. And I realized by mistake I got the deep dish out. I'm just with the regular one. Okay, I think that's going to be fine. 
regular nine inch pie plate. You don't want, yeah, you don't want your crust too thin because then it can't really, it's hard to work with, it starts breaking, it ends up not being a great texture. So once you've got it folded, or once, sorry, once you've got it rolled out as big as you want it, then you start folding it very delicately. So you fold it in half. So you'd have like a little half moon of dough and then you fold it in quarter, fold it in half again. So you have a little quarter of dough and then you can just lift that up very easily and bring it over to your pie plate and set it in your pie plate. And you can just take a minute to make sure it's like centered properly. And then you very gently unfold it. Yeah, that's when you realize that maybe you didn't put it in there quite as centered as you had thought you were doing, typical. Or maybe you didn't roll it out quite as much as it should have been. Anyway, so you make a few little adjustments. Now, this is when like pretty people take over and have all kinds of like beautiful techniques for making it even, da da da. And if you want to do that, you could go around and sort of trim a little bit so you're working with an even amount all the way around but I'm not gonna do that. I just reach under, as long as it's reasonably well-centered and you've got enough crust all the way around, that's fine. So sometimes you might have a little bit more crust and sometimes you might have a little bit less. And I just go around and I tuck a tiny bit under and I'm just sort of setting everything up on the edge of the pie plate. So I have this elevated rim I'm building. Very gently, again, don't like touch too much and melt too much. Do, do, do. I can smell the leaf lard a little bit here, which gives me a hint that this is getting just a little bit too warm, but we're very close. So I'm gonna go ahead and shape it and then stick it in the fridge again. So I have my whole little edges sort of stacked up and now I can just go around with my thumb and forefinger and kind of pinch, pinch, pinch very quickly, gently. Don't rest your hand, don't rest your finger too much in one spot and don't worry if it's not completely even. Rustic is fine. So I'm going, I've got my thumb and forefinger on the outside, outside, coming in from the outside, and my third finger is kind of down there, making sure the crust doesn't bulge out too far. That makes any sense. Okay. So now, like I said, this is getting warm. So I'm putting it right back in the fridge to chill a little bit. Why? Well, I get my other stuff together. And you want to leave that in, actually all my other stuff is together. So 
so this is really just a twiddle your thumbs or clean up or whatever break oh make sure you don't crunch it all right that's better it won't get won't get dented by the fridge door and you don't have to cover it or anything like that just we're just gonna leave it in there for like 15 minutes just enough time for the oven to heat up turning on the oven right now to three let's say 375 and that's just preheating my crust is chilling what else do you need to know so hmm, the whole debate about pre-baking the pie crust yes it does make things a little bit better to have that bottom crust like nice and crispy and in good shape before you put your really wet filling in. And anyone who is super serious about pies will probably do it that way. I think it's too much trouble because half the time, like you need something to put in the empty crust so the stuff doesn't, so the crust doesn't sort of sag down or pop up. Um, there's just a lot, and then like the edges start burning, and uh, like a lot can go wrong in the pre-baking process. And if you have the patience to do that, you are more of a baker than I am. I never used to do it. We made like lemon meringue pie all the time, and it always turned out great. And. I don't think we ever pre-baked. I just don't remember. I don't remember going through all that hassle. Um, and then all of a sudden, all the recipes in every cookbook you read are like, pre-bake your pie shell. <sighs> anyway, I I make pies a lot of the time, and I do not bother pre-baking, and it turns out fine. And that's what I'm going to do this time because the quarantine baking is especially not about things being perfect. It's just the way it is. There are so many other like, weird things that I've done, involving flowers and so on, that doesn't seem worth the extra trouble of even trying to maximize this. So I'm letting the oven heat up and from there, I'm just going to assemble a quiche and put it in the oven and bake it until it's done, which is how long? Like maybe half an hour? You want it so that a knife poked in the middle comes out pretty clean. It's a custard, so it just needs to, those eggs need to cook through. In terms of assembling the quiche, there's no particular no particular secrets or anything like that, but I do, like, I have these chives, and I have mushrooms, and I have cheese, and I know that the chives tend to float to the top, 
So I'm gonna like sprinkle half the chives on the bottom and put the mushroom layer over that, which hopefully will keep some of the chives down near the bottom and more intermingled so you won't have like mushroom layer, chive layer. That's my only trick there. So I'm gonna do half the chives, mushrooms, a little cheese, the rest of the chives. Gently pour over the custard filling, the egg and milk and cream that I mixed together and put it in the oven. And you don't need the real timing on that or me talking through that in real time to finish that up. So I'm just gonna end it there. And I will, as usual, put a recipe up on the website. And I did take a few more pictures along the way here than I usually do. And also put a link to Millicent's great book about pie. Highly recommend. She is just an expert baker and I'm so glad she wrote this book because her style of baking, again, is very homemade. It is not super perfect and trim. It is much more about flavor and great texture than it is about things looking beautiful and Instagrammy, but there's some wonderful, wonderful recipes in here and some wonderful photos of just homely, wonderful little pie crusts. Oh, I'm flipping right now. I'm like, oh, that's gorgeous. Anyway, so yeah, check out the website as usual at cookinginrealtime.com. Thanks for listening. And again, if you have suggestions, requests, questions, complaints, seek me out on the website, uh, send me an email, find me on Twitter, however you prefer to get in touch. I'd love to hear from you. Happy cooking. Enjoy. So just jumping in here with one more little point or a few more little points that came to me as I was assembling the quiche and finishing the baking. Uh, I had recorded this in the kitchen, but then the smoke alarm went off, which brings me to my first point, which is whenever you put a pie crust in the oven, you want to put it either directly on a tray or slide a tray underneath on the rack below it to catch. It's going to drip a little bit of butter and that is going to smoke and burn. And if it's too much, it can affect the flavor of the pie and even a little bit can set off your smoke alarm, as I found out. Uh, if you're cooking fruit pies and things like this, these might boil over a little bit and then that stuff falls on the bottom of the oven and burns. You don't want that. Also, with a quiche, it ends up being pretty full, the pie crust, so it's nice to have the pie plate on a tray that you can then carry the entire thing over to the oven and slide it into the oven. Because if you're holding just the pie plate, you're worried about your thumbs, like squishing the crust and things like this. So having it on a tray actually helps taking it in and out of the oven. Um, I think I said 30 minutes baking when I was recording before. This one took about 40, 45 minutes. Anyway, you'll, you'll see the whole thing, you know, stops being liquidy and you just want like a tiny bit of jiggle. You could even, if you're worried about it not being cooked through, it can go over a little bit. And if you see the surface start to crack a tiny bit, I don't know if you picture um, pumpkin pies, for example, often have that 
have the little cracks just maybe like an inch in from the crust. And that's the same dynamic. It's uh, it's the pumpkin pies are also essentially a custard. So it's the same thing where the, the custard is really firming up. Um, so if you want, you can, you can bake it to that degree, and that can be a good sign to look for. Uh, basically, you just want it to be you know, nicely brown, you know, the crust should be nice and brown and there should be some nice brown spots on the top of your, of your quiche and you're probably there, but yeah, stick a knife in and it'll have, you'll probably have a couple little tiny clumpy bits and you'll be able to see that the, that the custard has come together. So I think that's all. I think that's all the accumulated wisdom. Again, enjoy your pie crust. It doesn't have to be a veil of tears. It can be something that you actually put together really quickly and confidently, and it shouldn't be the barrier to making a pie or a quiche. And you can do it yourself with your own two hands. All right. Thanks for listening and talk to you next week.